this is your first time here watching us online, whatever it is. Wellhouse uh, has said for the last several months now that our goal is to change the landscape of our community, that we recognize that in just our community, uh, about 42% of our population, almost half, uh, have kind of given up on God for one reason or another. And there's, there's some, uh, some of those are, are good reasons. They've been hurt by churches or people in the past, and so they've just kind of washed their hands of that. Uh, other people, they just have never been raised in, in a family where they had any kind of relationship. And so we want to change the landscape of the community, but we recognize in order to do that, that's not, that's not an easy task to undertake. It's not something that you kind of go about lightly. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort together. And so we recognize that one of the, one of the best ways to change the landscape of the community is by changing the next generation. It's by reaching out and, and helping them understand life in the context of God. And so uh, we wanted to put our money where our mouth is. And so we've said, all right, listen, how do we do that? Well, we have to have a space for them. And so we found this location and we have lots of room for our kids here where they have classrooms they can go to uh, and for our families. In addition to that, we, uh, we've gone through the process of looking for and hiring a next-gen pastor. Amber Berry uh, is going to be joining us here at the end of the month. In fact, she'll be here January 28th to celebrate our birthday with us, and we're really, really excited about that. She's such a neat lady. She's such a neat lady. She brings a lot of passion, a lot of enthusiasm. And uh, I don't know if you've ever met somebody who, like, they just kind of ooze kids. I, I don't know. That doesn't come out right, but I'm just telling you, um, as I say that, I'm like, I don't know. I, what am I saying? I really don't know. Um, they just... Yeah, they just do it. Like when you're around them, you're like, oh yeah, you love kids. And that's, that's who she is. She's just, she just has a passion for helping kids know Jesus more. And so we're really, really excited about that. Um, and as we look more towards the future, I want you to know like this is not, this is kind of level one. This is phase one. But our goal, our main goal is to eventually get to a place where, where we have space of our own, that we partner with other uh, businesses and like-minded uh, um, non-for-profits in the area to, to create a community hub where the community has a resource for families and children to help them understand who God is in the world and how to have a better relationship with Him, whether it's through getting jobs or education or whatever it is. And we're really, really excited about that. We know that that takes time, uh, and we understand that. We, and anything, I always tell my kids this, anything worth having is worth working for, right? Uh, and so we understand that. We're willing to do the work, and we're super excited that you are along on this journey with us. But uh, the key of that is, is work. Uh, and work is not easy. It's been really interesting in our house. One of our, one of our key kind of 
principles, one of the things that we tell our kids. In fact, if you come over to our house, you sit at our dining room table, we have a big sign up and it's, it's, uh, there's three things on this sign. We've told our kids for uh, more than a decade now, but when, we, when you leave our house, we want you to kind of really be invested in these three things, right? Uh, and, and one of those is to work hard. One of those is to work hard because in life, you know, you, you may not find yourself in a room that where you're the smartest person or you might find yourself that, that, that somebody makes more money than you do, whatever it is, but you can at least work hard. In fact, Scripture tells us whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Not that you're working for man, but that you're doing everything you do for God. So we want our kids to work hard and working hard is tough. Some of our kids have recently, in the last uh, several months, gotten job, and it's interesting to hear the stories, you know, of those first jobs when they come home about how tough it is, and you're like, oh, just wait. You know, like, it's even more fun uh, as you get older. Um, it's hard sometimes, isn't it? Life gets hard sometimes, and uh, and. Working hard, putting effort into something is difficult. And last week, if you weren't with us, I encourage you to go back and listen to the message from last week. It's on apathy, and uh, it might have been one of my favorite messages of the year. Because it's a place I think we find ourselves in so often in life. Where we just get to a place where we're comfortable. And we like to be comfortable. And so as we look at what does it take to change the landscape of a community, um, it takes a degree of us saying, like, I'm willing to step outside of my comfort zone for something that I know God is calling me to. It starts with you and I putting in place what we already know from God to put it in place and to live into it. And that's hard. It's difficult. If you've ever tried to uh, do any kind of life change, you're going to change the routines in your life, whether it's exercise or eating healthy or, or just add something. You know, maybe you're trying to learn a new hobby or a new skill and you realize, man, this is really difficult. Change is hard. We encourage you this year to make a change in your life, to make a change that, that's more than just uh, a new hobby, a new skill. Those are great, and we want to encourage you in those, but to change something that will deepen your relationship with Christ. And so we, we've kind of uh, started this year with a couple of challenges for you and your family, no matter how old or young your kids are, we encourage you to do this with them. Um, we're, we're going to be memorizing a section of uh, the Bible together. It's the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, starting tomorrow, you'll get to see some videos, uh, and they'll be from various partners here at Wellhouse. And those partners are memorizing that with us. And so every Sunday, starting next week, you and your family will get to come join us here. Uh, we were going to do it at 8.30. I think we're going to do it at 9, just because we're learning setup here. And we're going to talk about what do we learn from the Sermon on the Mount. And over the next six to seven weeks together, we're going to be memorizing a portion of that. We encourage you to do that. 
So join us in that. Uh, participate in, in class. Go through the Bible. I know we have several people who are reading through the Bible on their own or with a group this year. Join a house group. We have a lot of house groups. Uh, Kyle uh, has been working with those, and we're excited to launch those. But do something this year that's going to deepen your faith in Christ. That's what we want to do. We, uh, as we look at what what it is that God has called us to do in this new space as I was kind of thinking through several months ago. Okay, what, as, as, we, as we kind of get to a new space and it almost feels like a new season as we say, all right, listen, we, we really want to change and impact the community where we're at. What does that look like? How do we do that? Well, one phrase that kept coming out to me over and over and over again actually was from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That's why we decided, listen, for the next, uh, for the next year, we're going to have a class that we can talk about. Practically speaking, what does Jesus' Sermon on the Mount look like? Well, there was a phrase that kept coming out uh, as I thought about, okay, how do we start this? And the phrase was, city on a hill. And it comes from Matthew uh, chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to that. If you have the Version Bible app, you can actually go on there, find the events. And I have all the scriptures uh, listed there for you. Uh, so it's really easy to find. This is what it says. It's just a few verses in to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he gathers uh, the followers and his disciples around. He begins to teach them all these different kind of teachings that they're not used to hearing. This is what he says, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14. You are the light of the world. Now, this is interesting phrasing right here because there's a little bit taken away in the English. Uh, we translated it into light, but really the Greek word here is phos. And phos would, would have a derivative of photography. That's where we get the word photography from. And really what Jesus is saying is you're a photo. You represent a photo to the world. And I wonder sometimes if we took that snapshot, right? You've been around somebody in their worst moments or somebody's been around you in your worst moments like a snapshot and you never forgot it. For some of you as your parents, right? And there's like a snapshot, a picture. You can go right back in time and you remember everything so vividly clear. For those of us who are, you know, 40 and older, you remember Polaroid pictures, right? And you print it off right there on the spot. And if you waved it, you know, uh, shook it like a Polaroid picture. Um, there you go. There's your reference. Uh, eventually over time you would get this picture now it was not clear it wasn't a great picture it was a little bit fuzzy and I wonder if sometimes the world the reason why we live in societies where people are like I don't want any part of that is because as they look at the picture of what it means to be a Christian it kind of looks fuzzy it kind of doesn't look super crystal clear and the picture that they get might be the picture of somebody who has a bumper sticker of a fish or uh, 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 the church that they attend. But as they drive past them on the road, you know, they get the number one sign. And they think, you know, it's like some of you will get that later on today. Um, and, and you think if that's what it means to be a Christian, then I don't 
necessarily want that. Some of, some of the people that, that wait on, on Christians on a Sunday after church and they get treated rudely. And they make almost no tips and work hard for it. And they think, man, if that's what Christian is, then I really don't want a part of it. Or maybe they see people on social media and they're so ready to, to just fight. And they think, man, if that's what it is, I'd, if that's the picture, then I don't want it. And Jesus says, listen, what you need to know is you are the photo, you are the false of, of the world. The whole world is going to look at you for the picture of who God is. It's interesting, in John chapter 14, um, if you have your Bible, you can open up to there. John chapter 14, Jesus is telling his disciples goodbye. He's, he's, he spent three years with them in ministry. He's tried to, to, to teach them everything he knows, and he's getting ready to die. He knows that he's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried. In three days, he's going to rise again, and then he's going to send to heaven, and the church is on their shoulders. And so, as he kind of summarizes things to him, and John kind of captures his teaching together, and this is a part of the last things that he's going to tell the people that he loves most here on earth. This is what he says, John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I love that. Believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house there are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you the place I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. At that point, Thomas, one of the followers, one of the people who have walked with Jesus for the last three years, says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can, you, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know the Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Philip speaks up and he says this, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. They're still not getting it. So Jesus has to be clear. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father's in me and the words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing the work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they'll do even greater things than, than these because I'm going to the Father. Let's stop right there for just a moment. Jesus is trying to tell them something. And the thing that he's trying to tell them is, you don't have to be afraid because you have a relationship with the Father. They're like, no, we don't. And he says, yes, you do. Because you've seen the photo. And so you know who the Father is because you've seen me. And Jesus says, and here's, the, here's the great news. Is that in a little bit, I won't be here anymore. Whoa, 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 where are you going? No, 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 you don't have to worry about it. You know why? Because those who follow after me, 
they're going to be the photo too. They're going to do the same things that I do. See, that's, that's what the church is. It's the modern day replication, life and ministry of Jesus Christ. That's what we are to the world, and that's what Jesus teaches. He says, you're the light of the world. You're just not a, a bright light. It's not just like flipping on the lights in here. He says, you're a photo. You're, you're the identification of who God is. When people look around, they know who he is through you. See, it's a big responsibility and sometimes I wonder if we take it a little too flippantly. I wonder if we just kind of lackadaisical with it. Like, I, I kind of do the Christian thing, and I kind of do the work thing, and I kind of do my hobby stuff. And he says, no, 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 no. You are the only glimpse that some people are ever going to see of the Father. That's you. And here's what hit me this week. I don't know about you, but in my life, man, I can't tell you how many times like, I was like, well, that didn't work, and i got to go on to plan B, and that didn't work, and I had to go on to plan C. And by, by the time I actually finish the thing, you know, I'm on like plan F or you know, working my way through the alphabet because all the other things didn't work the way I wanted. I talked to one of my good friends last night on the phone for about 30 minutes because he was trying to work on something at home and it wasn't working right. And he had spent all day doing something that he thought was going to take him like 20 minutes. Ever been there? Just me. Good. All right. So, um, well, that's just the way it works for me. And apparently my friend, but he was like, I tried this and I tried this and I tried this because all the plans that I had before didn't work out. Here's what's amazing to me. That you and I are God's plan A to show Jesus to the world. You're plan A. Jesus tells us before he even leaves, listen, you're the photo of God to the world. It's you. It's on you. And so what are we going to do about it? Jesus continues on. And his talk with them, and he says this, You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Now, there's two functions. that This time in, in our culture, in our society, we don't necessarily build cities on hills. We don't need that. But at that time and in that, that uh, era, cities on a hill had two big functions. The first one was safety. If you took the high ground, you could see the enemies coming and you were safe and you could fortify yourself around the city so that you could see any kind of incoming problem long before it got there. Now, unfortunately, I think churches have for too long secured themselves inside of a fortress. And that's not really what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying that the church should be the safe place for people. If you're wounded, if you have a past, if you're struggling, if you feel like you're not good enough, 
then it's the safe place for you. How do I know this? Because we have story after story after story of Jesus being a city on a hill to people that he met who would otherwise be cast out, but yet they're safe in his presence. You remember the story of the woman that was caught in adultery and everybody else was saying, listen, I think the right answer here, the biblical answer here, the thing we should do is to stone her. Jesus says, She's safe with me. Now, go and sin no more, but I'm not going to condemn you. And you remember the story of Zacchaeus, the, the wee little man, right? That nobody, there's no way anybody liked this guy, right? He was a traitor to his own people. He was still a Jew, so nobody, nobody liked the guy. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Remember the story or remember the song uh, that we used to sing growing up? Jesus sees him, and instead of saying, like, listen, I can't believe how despicable you are. No wonder nobody likes you. He says, listen, Zacchaeus, I, I want to I come to your house. And I'm thinking to myself, Zacchaeus probably never had heard those words before, but in the presence of Jesus, he was safe. Have you ever felt that way before when you were with somebody? It's like, man, I don't know what it is. They just... They just make me feel safe. See, we're called to be safe, but we're also called to be, and this is the other function of a city on a hill, it's visible. And folks, I, I think we have come to a place in our society where Christians have hidden too long. We've been scared too long. We've been afraid too long. That we're called to be visible, that, that people should, in fact, in verse 16, as Jesus kind of sums up the thoughts here, he says, listen, people should see your deeds and then praise your Father in heaven. That there's something that we do that people actually can see with us. And, and in fact, we have to be a little bit careful because there's, there are some deeds that people have seen of Christians and think, man, I don't want any part of that. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not asking anybody to jump up and build picket signs and tell people they're going to hell and those kinds of things. But I think for too long we've been too afraid to stand up and say, listen, I believe that Jesus called us to serve and to love and to forgive and to follow him faithfully. And there's something attractional about that. I remember being in a meeting several years ago and a, a group of church leaders gathered around and we were kind of talking about, you know, what it looked like in the future and, and how to reach out to a new generation of people. And one of the people in the room spoke out and he said, well, by all means, I don't want to be attractional. Let that sink in for a minute. And I said, so you want to be the opposite of attractional you want to be unattractional and he was like well no no I just don't want to like I don't want to cause a big splash oh you mean like the life of Jesus see it seemed like everywhere that Jesus went do you notice what followed him come on crowds crowds followed him why did crowds follow Jesus was it because they understood all of his teachings no, even his, listen, even his closest disciples, right? 
towards the end of his time, three years they spent every day with this guy. And they're still saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. You've seen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. No, we haven't seen the Father. I don't know what you're talking about. He's got to be thinking, I don't know why you keep following me if everything I say you don't understand. Why did they follow him? Well, because there's something magnetic about Jesus. There's something that draws people in. There's this safety part. There's, there's this attraction part. There's this love part. There's this forgiveness part. There's this authentic part of him that people can't resist, no matter if they can't understand him or not. And see, sometimes I think as Christians, we try to flip that and say, listen, you have to understand the teaching first, and then we'll be nice to you. You have to understand this, this uh, getting it right first before, before we can actually kind of accept you as one of our own. And Jesus broke the mold on this. That's, that's not how it goes at all. I'm going to forgive and serve and protect and love everyone, whether they get it or not, even the people who have, should have gotten it a long time ago. And isn't that refreshing? Refreshing. And Jesus says, you are a city on a hill. That's what you are. That's what your role is. See, here's the thing. Jesus doesn't anticipate undercover followers. I think to myself about early on in my high school days, and I grew up going to church uh, and... But I didn't really carry that over into the other parts of my life very well. It wasn't really until my senior year of high school where I started inviting people to come. But I didn't want them to know about the beliefs that I had. It's kind of this undercover Christian that if they found out, okay. But I really prefer that they didn't. Jesus doesn't expect us to live that way. But he's not done. In verse 15, he continues on with this light theme. And he says this, Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. That doesn't make sense. You'd never take a flashlight, turn it on, and then cover it up. He says, Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. They're kind of two types of light that I thought about this week as I was thinking through, as Jesus says, you know, uh, it gives light to everyone in the house. And today we have two types of light. We have spotlights. And if I were to pull you up on stage, you would understand how uh, it's hard to be in the spotlight. It can hurt your eyes if you're not used to it. It's, it seems kind of bright. Have you ever seen anybody get up on stage who's not used to it before? They're like, I can't see anything. It's, the light is, is so off-putting. It's blinding. It's putting others on the spot. It's pointing things out. That's a spotlight. And it's made to show and focus on one person and illuminate all the things about them. That's a spotlight. However, there's another part, another light that's in this room, and in fact, just about probably everybody has one. If you reach into your pocket or your purse or your coat, you'll pull one out. It's on your phone. It's a flashlight. Interestingly enough, you know what you reach for every time it goes dark? 
Yeah, flashlight. Right? Because instead of a spotlight, which is blinding and putting others on the spot, a flashlight is helpful. It illuminates a path. It gives a direction. It's others-focused. See, I don't shine my flashlight in your eyes and say, can you see now? I shine the flashlight in a floor and a path so that you can see clearly as though not to fall. I shine my flashlight so to say, here's some help, here's some assistance, here's how you can more easily navigate life. And Jesus says, don't you put your light on a stand so that everybody in the house can see a bit more clearly as they go about their day? Don't you do that? Yeah. Then how about you do that? then how about you live in a way, not as a spotlight, not as singling people out, not as saying, you moron, you idiot, I can't believe that you would believe such things. Why would you live that way? He says, no, 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 we don't need spotlights. What we need is flashlights. See, flashlights are helpful. Flashlights provide safety. Flashlights in an emergency is almost your go-to. In fact, the last few times that we've lost power in our house, I thought about What's the first things that, that people said in our house? And I'll be honest, there's two. One of, them is, one of them is, where's the flashlight? The second one is, what happened to the Wi-Fi? You know what I mean? It's like it almost simultaneous, right? It's because in an emergency, when things go dark and dim, you and I, we're not looking for somebody to tell us all the things we've done wrong. Shine the light on us and say, all right, let's examine you for a minute. Let's just see what you did bad. We want somebody to come along inside and say, would you like some help? I, I may not know the best way, but I do know a way, and I'd love to illuminate that for you. See, you and I, we have the responsibility of being the present day life and ministry of Jesus Christ to our world. And so my question for you this year, as we wrestle through what it means and as we challenge each other to, to build our relationship bigger and deeper in Christ is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with Jesus' teachings in your life Will you be the light to the world, the photo of God to the people that you're around, even when it's hard? Will you be that at home when it's difficult? Will you be that at work when it's stressful? Will you be that when, like, your schedule is crazy busy? Will the picture look fuzzy? unclear or will it be crystal clear as to what it looks like to see the Father and His role in the lives of Christians? Will you be a Christian who's not undercover but is someone who is a safe place to go to? A visible person who's filled with forgiveness and love and encouragement in the midst of chaos? Will you illuminate the path even for just one person this year, that you would be their city on a hill.
that you won't be hidden in times of trouble, but that you will show up consistently. See, it's hard work. But it's the work that the Father has given you and I. And I would be mistaken in not doing my job and calling you deeper into that, to being sold out to that truth of what God calls you and I to do, to be the modern-day current representation of Christ to the world so that they can see Him better. So would you close your eyes and would you stand up as we speak this blessing over you this year. And may it encourage you and remind you of who you are and who He is and who you are in Him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling this year and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you and transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who's unparalleled and unchanging, who's matchless and merciful, who's supreme and sufficient who's before all things and through all things and in all things, both now and forever. Amen. Would you worship with us this morning?